Hello and welcome to episode 72 of Going Upstairs, a podcast from Opening Up Cricket. And before I get into the topic of this current episode, I suppose it's worth giving you a little bit of a nudge towards some of the previous episodes. I really, of course, have no idea about whether you're someone who's listened to every single one of them, whether this is your first one, whether you've picked out a few of them as time goes along. But uh, there's plenty in the back catalogue from a cricketing perspective, very focused on the sport itself, but also on some things which might seem to have no link to cricket. But I think if uh, with our discovery of things in health and well-being, there's always a way of getting it back into ways that it can look after our cricket, whether that be our health and fitness, our enjoyment of the game, or even some aspects with performance. And I think that's where we get to with the guest on this version. You've got a lot of, I would say, misunderstanding of what's meant by the term coaching. And I don't mean this in the sense of sport. I mean, in business and life, we see examples of people who are life coaches or business coaches. And I wanted to get to know a little bit more about what this field entails. And of course, it's the case that it's going to be something a bit different for everyone. But joining me on this episode is Jim Hughes, who is a coach, and he'll explain more about his particular perspective and how he came to do it. But I've known Jim for a long time, and his journey towards what he now does is quite interesting in the sense that when I knew him way back when at university, I would not have predicted this being the uh, the line of work that he'd be in. So we're going to chat a little bit about some of the misconceptions, some of the things that are linked to it, the benefits some of the challenges for both the person receiving the coaching as well as giving it. And hopefully it gives you a little bit more of a thought and an insight about what this is. Because overall, in my view at least, anything which is out there attempting to give people a chance to help themselves to feel better, to improve their satisfaction and their well-being has got to be something that we we we, we take on with the spirit it's intended. So anyway, enough of this ultra-long intro Here's into the main bit of it. Okay then, Jim. First off, how are you? In rude health. Thank you very much, mate. How are you? Yeah, yeah. I I wasn't going to say that. I was going to say something quite sort of bland in comparison. But yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, um, good stuff. Well. We'd be meaning to have this this conversation for a little while. And I think what I'd like to start with is, in your words, what coaching in your setting is. Because I would imagine there's a lot of uncertainty and miscommunication sometimes between people about what it is, a bit of misappropriation, um, you know, not getting it right in terms of what it is. So you go for it and we'll go from there. Yeah. So just to caveat that with that, this is like, as you say, this is how I see it and how I believe a coach is, because obviously everybody will have their own rules. And, and it's taken me a long time to even get clear on how, what I am. And I, I didn't, I misappropriated titles and things myself for a couple of years, but for me, coaching is, it's about helping people 
transform. It's about helping people discover blind spots, areas of improvement, things that they didn't realize they didn't know, um, and creating frameworks and creating a space. I think more, more importantly, creating a space for those discussions to happen. And obviously that space involves trust and understanding. And then working with them to, to replace, build new frameworks, replace the old things that didn't serve them um, with things that do. Yeah, there is similarities there with the role of a sports coach or, or a cricket coach. And I think the thing that you've said at the end is a really interesting point of, of departure in that it's the working with someone. We've probably all come across instances in our lives where we felt that someone's intervention has been to do it for us or yeah. to talk us bit by bit or all at once through what they think the change needs to be. So that collaboration is going to be important, isn't it? It's vital. And it's the difference between a coach who knows stuff and a coach who is, who is secure enough to realise that it's about the client, not them. And, uh, and that's a journey I've been on myself. Like it's so easy when you, when you think you know something and you have wisdom and you want to help and you think you know the answer, you want to take them to the answer straight away and you want to give them the answer, but you don't learn and grow that way. That's just, that's just intellect, that's knowledge. But when it's, you've got to get people emotionally, they've got to realize it themselves first. And to do that, you've got to create the space for them and trust the fact that they're going to get there. Um, yeah. And then they have the realizations within themselves. And that's, that's huge. Yeah, that's where the learning happens, really, isn't it? Once you have that eureka moment yourself and it might be that you've got there with a lot of help or a little help, but it's you that's got to to do that. And what kind of, and this is very generalised, but what kind of feelings and thoughts are people experiencing when they approach you? Because I'm guessing, it's just a guess, that much like talking therapies and other areas of support, people tend to come to them when there's a blockage or a problem rather than it being proactive. Mm. What's the, if they, there isn't a typical person, but what's the amalgamation of what, of what goes on in that area? Yeah, good point. And it, 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 there's generally people are motivated more by avoiding pain, <clears throat> excuse me, than by gaining pleasure. It's just a physical, it's, it seems to be human nature, um, uh, neurologically. So most people are coming because they are feeling a frustration in something. It's, and the, the feelings when they come to me are usually on varying degrees of, of extremity, uh, frustration, Stress, exhaustion, burnout, um, lack of clarity. I suppose lack of clarity leads to those other things in one way or another. Um, and it's wanting to overcome that. Some, some come to me with a, you know what, generally things are, things are going pretty well, but I would like to optimise this area of my life. I'd like to just tick off this final piece of, my, of the jigsaw puzzle, whatever. What actually ends up happening is there's a lot of stuff we want to work on and they actually subconsciously knew they needed but intellectually, they went, no, nah, I'm really good. Just if we could just sort this bit out, then I'll be bonzer. And then you get into it, it's like, okay, it's not that, is it? It's something else much deeper that you didn't actually necessarily realise. Yeah, that's something, isn't it, where there's a temptation to think everything will be all right if things ticked off, if 
I get that promotion or if the garden was easy to take care of or anything in our lives there. What about when someone's really, say in a business sense, really just at a loss of what to do? What's your what's your method? Not to giving the insider secrets here, but generally what's the what's the approach to try and uncover that? Because it could be quite foggy, couldn't it, when someone's like, like I'm just stressed out, I don't know where to start. Yeah, well, firstly, if I could give away my secrets in a podcast interview, I wouldn't have a very compelling business case or, <laughs> or, or would be a brilliant coach. I've just given away everything I know in 10 minutes. Uh, no, it's, and it, it's, a, it's a good question because for me, I do help people through their business situations, but increasingly I'm, I'm helping people with their, their mindset, their, their, their life situations and, and their self-awareness in particular because that all feeds in. And the when somebody's lacking clarity in their business, it's usually a symptom. People come to me with a symptom. They believe it's the cause. They believe they're coming to me with a thing that they need to rectify, but that's a symptom of something else. And generally speaking, the symptom that people have when they come to me, sorry, the cause uh, of, of those symptoms when they come to me is they don't have a full grasp of who they truly are. They are living who wants a forms a better phrase they're living somebody else's life they're living in they're misaligned they're trying to be somebody they're not they're trying to run a business they don't love they're in a relationship that was never right for them anyway or if it was it's now not right because things have changed and they they lose that clarity and that awareness that identity that then translates often or manifests in business in relationships in health in in lots of other things or sometimes all of those areas so yeah. To answer your question, somebody comes up to with, with a business lacking clarity in their business, no matter what the, the symptom is they come to me with, that's where we start because that's my knowledge of an area of expertise is my passion, but it's also, I believe, the foundation for everything anyway. Hmm. What's the, the range then of backgrounds in, in if we start with business? Is this something that you tend to be getting entrepreneurs because I know it, it previously is until untamed entrepreneurs um or will this be something where someone's working within an organization and they feel like i guess in some ways it can be quite frustrating if you're at the mercy of the corporation rather than all the stresses of being a, a, a solo you've got some levers that you have control over is it both or do you tend to see more of one or the other the thing that unites them all the, of the people I work with is the fact they're they are high performers. So, my, like you say, the old guys in the company was um, untamed entrepreneurs because they're the people who I sort of resonated with the most. But the personality that links them with the military levers that I've worked with, with athletes that I've worked with, with professionals that I've worked with, is they have a insatiable appetite for growth and achievement, and they judge themselves harshly they high, have high expectations for themselves they have high expectations for others so that personality is found in entrepreneurial circles a lot because they want to control their own destiny they have the confidence in gen generally speaking to to push and and be a master of their own fate and they want to grow and entrepreneurial um, endeavors are a brilliant opportunity for that because the sky is the limit so 
a lot of them are entrepreneurs, but a lot of them are professionals as well, military and sports people. Um, but it's that desire for wanting more, <laughs> always wanting more. And the energy, the energy that created their challenges is actually the, the the thing we need to work on the most. It's not it's not their biggest asset necessarily. Yeah, yeah, okay. And what about we're used to hearing? We probably hear it in some way, shape, or form. It depends how much you access news or social media but this idea that people find it difficult to talk and I'm, when I say idea I'm not being glib it is difficult uh, I find it tough myself sometimes to share how I'm feeling and finding what's appropriate and, and what isn't people coming to you because you're not knocking on doors uh, cold calling people are coming to you however they've however they found you there must be an element there of people being prepared to to expose that that vulnerability which is a great start surely yes yeah it's massive and there's, di- there's different scales some people you i have a connection call or a breakthrough call with them i've never met them before and they are they're all in they're willing to share to to the ends of the earth and there are some people who are more reticent um but generally speaking subconsciously not necessarily consciously especially when there's ego at play Consciously speaking, they they don't want to talk about it and they're okay. And they, they just want to just some, give me some high level tactics and then I'll be on my way. Subconsciously, however, they're crying out for it. They want to unload. They want to cry. They want to get mad. They want to just have a connection with someone on a really deep level. And my job is to spot that and create the space for that. And generally speaking, that can actually be done quite quickly. And I suppose over the over the time you've been doing it, you pick up these cues from people, don't you? Just spending enough time in these kind of environments, having these conversations that not that you can predict accurately 100% of the time, but sometimes those little cues that someone does want to say a little bit more. Um, Jim, how have you got to this this point? Because I'm sure people who are who are listening will be thinking... Well, I don't know what they're thinking actually, but they'll be they'll be certainly be if they've chosen this episode, we'll be considering this area and 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 how they might eventually, you know, have some work with a with a with a coach or something they've done before or how it might apply to sports. But if we're thinking about how you get to that position, because I reckon that's the biggest overlap with sport here. We we often find, and I remember um this being said actually by one of our guys um paul horton was saying in professional sport particularly what his experiences in cricket that people will look for the name and will say oh it's x who used to play for them therefore i'm almost going to give him an opportunity to be a good coach i'm going to give him a little bit of my buy-in to start with because of his name why who didn't have that background but could be absolutely electric coach might not get that initial buy-in because people haven't heard of them and we get this thing i'm sure it translates across lots of areas that we're kind of almost scanning a cv as we're as we're engaging with people and thinking what is their credentials for doing this however that's because that betrays a certain insecurity in ourselves that we think we've we're imposters in the situation i'm sure that's a whole different thing but what do you if you like bring to the table 
that, that's put you in a position where not only you get clients, but also you're confident and capable to do the, do the job itself. Well, the confidence is definitely misplaced. Let's just start with that for a, for a kickoff. Um, no, it's it, really nuanced topic. And there's going to be a lot of different opinions out there, especially as the coaching industry grows worldwide. In the UK in particular, it's big in the US, has been for years. They have coaches for everything. And that's partly what gives the name, uh, you know, may, may sully the name somewhat. But from my side, I have no coaching qualifications whatsoever. And, and I'm more than happy to tell that to anybody. Um, and like you say, when clients, I never get asked this very, very rarely, but when clients do say, well, would you give me your qualifications? That's their fear. That's not about me. That's about them. So you're absolutely bang on with that. That's usually, it's something about them, not me or the, or the coach, whoever that may be. But, you know, I've been doing this four years. Obviously I didn't start at this level or five years, if you include the year before I actually had an official business. And that year is a really important year for the, for the question that you're asking if we talk about the people who are just dipping their toe in or thinking about it, that first year or six months, or whatever is critical because that my suggestion to anybody out there who's thinking about it or may not know whether they deserve it or are capable, try it. My opinion is you can't teach good coaching. I believe again, it's my, my interpretation. Other people may, may have different opinions. I believe it's about intuition and you if you have the ability to tap into your intuition and listen to it, that's the important, because we all have intuition, but a lot of us just shut it down. If we can connect with ourselves really deeply, i.e. our intuition, that is the biggest foundation piece that you need. I know people who've done coaching qualifications, but they haven't done the work on themselves first. And they know the theory, but they haven't connected with themselves first. And if you do that, then you're on a high into nothing. You're not going to add the value that you could add. I spent, before I even became a coach, 25 grand on myself. Who am I? What, what am I afraid of? What do I love? What am I inspired by? What am I good at? What am I crap at? That was, and, the, and that was just the beginning. And it's been another, I probably spent about 100 and something K on myself, personal development, developing like my skills, learning about me. That's been by far the most significant um, investment uh, in terms of moving the needle. So probably didn't answer your question there. I just threw a lot of different opinions out of you about coaching and learning it. And hopefully someone can assimilate that into, <laughs> into some kind of an answer. <laughs> yeah. I do always find the area of accreditation and qualifications just, just um, quite engaging because there are clearly certain professions where you would demand it as a prerequisite. Yeah. Um, so yeah. for example. <laughs> yeah, that's the one that came to mind. And other areas, of course, you would you would want some level of it in terms of the, the, the legal nature, um, certain safeguarding things and so on. But then as we move towards helping people, and whatever guise that is, there is this element of things becoming a little bit more blurry about what people want. And of course, in the area in the professions that are regulated i know that there's a lot of conversation particularly i pick up bits and pieces from the sports psychology world where there's there's a certain tension about the use of in uh, i've seen the examples in football but i'm sure it's elsewhere of 
clubs employing, say, a mental skills coach and that not being someone that being someone who doesn't have um, a, a background in some of the areas that the sports psychologist would be. And then they get this 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 um, this debate quite passionately uh, hosted that it's not just about some of the those elements of um, that we might see the outcome of them. A lot of the time they will be working in situations where the, the training that they did would generally be considered to be the thing. And that's why that accreditation exists. But as we move away from those sort of protected titles, yeah. coaching is one where it's like, like, like you've said, you can say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a coach in this area. And it's for the consumer to make that, that decision there. What, just off the top of my head here, Jim, um, there is a load of qualifications out there and you see people having things written down that they're certified this or, or whatever. Would some regulation be helpful or not? Great question. And I don't know the answer. All I'll say is that it's like any system. The system is, 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 I suppose it's as good as the people who use it. So there would be a lot of scope for people out there to create accreditations, private ones. Let's say there was, let's say it was kind of semi-regulated and there was so much money to be made by putting people through their coaching course. And if you turned up for this amount of hours of lectures and workshops, you qualified. There's no value in that in terms of protecting the nature of being a coach because they could wave that certificate in front of somebody and they're nowhere near qualified to do so. If you, if you create regulation or accreditation around what I believe to be important, again, just my opinion, if somebody can demonstrate that they have done the work themselves, that they are connected to themselves, they have self-awareness, they are um, honest, they are humble, they want to serve and they are intuitive and they're intuitive. Those things, like for me, they'll be the most important. If you could somehow prove those things or, or, or um, be accredited for those things, then yes, it will be incredibly powerful. Mm. How you could do that is a question for somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those attributes that you mention, which are really nice ones to have, irrespective of your, uh, yeah. your, your job, are often borne out by testimonials and by word of mouth or whatever the equivalent is on the uh, on the internet, what would we call it? Just people talking about it. So social proof is the general, okay, yeah. general term, yeah. Get that one down, yeah. So <laughs> that must be where you get a lot of your, your sort of either repeat business or new business from people, you know, saying this worked for me with Jim and, and, and so on. So as we come to the end, people probably are still in the dark a little bit despite the length of this conversation about what actually might might happen in a, a a session with a coach such as yourself and i know it's not possible to say oh well this is what a typical session looks like because of the difference of, of people and so on but something in that area might be might be useful at this point so what would you say jim is some of the tools and techniques or tactics that that might be used so people get that little bit of a flavor of it yeah i'll i'll give you 
some framework around my my experience, how I approach it, and also the coaches I have, the good coaches that I have been coached by. And there's a general sort of a general flow or general rules, I'd say, that I could share with confidence that they would help add value to your audience. And I think the first question is you want the person to be, you want to pre-frame them before before the session, before a call, whether it's paid or not, get them thinking, get them clear or clear on why they're there. Whether that ends up being the thing you talk about doesn't matter, but you get in there with cogs turning. Then just say, look, tell me again. You put it on the form. Thank you for that. Tell me again. What What's your situation? What, what, are you, what are you challenged by at the moment? What are your objectives? How can I help you? And then you'll end up hearing 20 different things that weren't necessarily on that form. And it's then, the, I believe, the coach's job or often the coach's job to, to pick out what they're to, – to, they take on board what they're hearing and then they actually deduce what the person actually means by that, you know, subconsciously. And you can do that either, or I do it sometimes by interrupting them as they're going through, because I don't want them to own their story. I'll say, can I just stop you there? You just said this. Did you, can you clarify that for me? And then we go down that rabbit hole. And then we come out and go back to the big picture again. And then we go down another rabbit hole. Or, or you can see it's pulling on the thread, you know, oh, there's a thread there, right? There's a trigger word that I just heard that I think is really impactful. I think it could mean something significant. Let's pull on that and see what happens. Another approach is just to let them completely download on you. And then you go, okay, awesome. Well, what I've just heard is X. Tell me how you feel about that. And so much of it is, is, is sort of pre-framing it. So I say, I say all the time, look, I'm about to share something I've just heard. I'm not saying I'm sharing the truth, that it's a fact. I'm saying, look, this is what I've heard. I won't take it with a pinch of salt. I've only known you for 15 minutes. But I've been doing this a little while. I've had a few calls with, with people in similar situations. Can I share with you what I've picked up from that? And can you promise me one thing? That you don't, you don't shut it down immediately. Just let it sit. You may disagree with it, but just let it sit. You may never agree with it but you may agree with it tomorrow or next week or the week after can we agree on that yeah and you're just all you're doing then is you're putting their their the the ego or the the, the fearful side of their brain which wants to push back which doesn't like being told they're wrong or that they they are things that they should be afraid of you're just putting that at ease and say you can come back to that later they may be right but for now let's just work on this together and then we explore that and that's where that's where i think creating the space comes from mm. Well, fascinating, yeah. And I, I think like we said said earlier on, either when we were recording or when we were just being a bit silly beforehand, that um, this rings so many bells around the big thing of, I think the biggest thing in the probably mankind, humankind, is that the connections that we have and making these conversations where we share something that's authentic and meaningful with someone else mm. and this whole thing which we hear a lot which is a big move forward from perhaps when we were at university definitely from when we were at university people saying if you're struggling talk or people saying i'm here for you if you need me that's brilliant because we just didn't say that from when we were um 18 19 20 21 um so the world's changed and that's brilliant but the next step has got to be normalize as people say the the conversation 
yeah. of all kinds and this is, a, a, is is one of those routes to that whether people like you say they think it's this but actually it can be a lot of things that are underneath that and any conversation around that has got to be beneficial whether it's to help you your health and well-being or it is something which is targeted at your financial prosperity or your business life but it, it has that ability to seep through as well so jim as we as we wrap it up what would be your uh, concluding comments about the i suppose what you get from from this why you do it and why it's of use to to individuals i, th- I think the the more aware that you can be and i get to use the word connection the more connected you can be to yourself the more you have awareness the more you know what's going to light you up and going to scare the crap out of you the more you know what's going to trigger you and what's going to energize you that is absolutely critical when you are seeking contentment and joy and when you're trying to design a perfect business when you're trying to find the right sport club to join when you're trying to know what career to do when you've retired from cricket when you're trying to find the right people in your life secondly to that is you will be able to connect with other people in a much deeper and more meaningful way as you've just described so self-awareness working on that connecting to yourself is is the root of for me is the root of all of it and it benefit the benefits are are myriad in so many different areas of your life yeah not half yeah i completely agree jim thank you for your time for your candor and i'll put links to some a couple of things that we've not only spoken about now and in the past so people can explore this a little bit further and if they want to get in touch and find out that little bit more so yeah all the best for now mate Pleasure as always, Paul. Thank you very much.